I am so excited. I've got several things to share with you. First, I want to read another review, and I'm so thankful for take you guys taking the time for this. Reviews matter, and you subscribing and sharing matters. Why? Because it's the only way that I can truly gauge what's going on and what you like about the podcast and how often you're listening and it gives me a way to continue to even look at the episodes that you're more downloads so that I can create more for that and it helps get the message out so thank you thank you for taking the time if you haven't done that yet just pause the episode go into iTunes and click subscribe and write a review awesome so today is from Sarah she says, Michelle is a fabulous podcaster, and the message behind her podcast is great. I give it a 10 out of 10. Thank you, Sarah, for that. And one more thing before we get into the episode. You guys have the opportunity this quarter to coach with me. I have three spots available for one session a week for three amazing women. That's what I've got. Three spots for you. Did you hear me? I said three. So reach out to me, send me a message either in Facebook Messenger, you can come into the Set Free Sisterhood group and send a message, or you can direct message me on Instagram at, at Coach Michelle Porterfield. And anytime we talk first, it's totally free. Let's just get on the phone and see if this is the right fit for you, if this is time for you to make a change in your life, and if you're ready to work with me. And I'm so excited to work with you because you are the one I'm waiting for. You. Yes, you. You're sitting there going, oh, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? It's you. I can't wait to meet you, sister. Now, check out this episode with Serenity. She is a feisty, fiery, sassy mama, and I love her personality, and she has a really, really wild, long story, but let me tell you, she has really made it through some tough times. She has also seen what it's like to go a long time without alcohol and then fall down into that slippery slope and now she's back out and she is ready to change the world. So here she is, Serenity. All right. Hey sisters, today I'm with Serenity and I'm so excited to hear from her. We met um, actually through Facebook and connected in a group and I want her to tell a little bit about herself and we're going to just kind of cover her journey with drinking um, not drinking and then drinking again. And then we're going to talk about where we are and kind of all the things that we, uh, have experienced through that journey. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Miss Serenity, and let's go, let's have some fun. Well, thank you for asking me to come and do this interview with you. I'm, I'm excited and honored to be here. Um, my name's Serenity. I'm 28 years old. I'm from Texas. Pretty proud of it too, but most of us are. Um, I have two daughters, um, they are eight and 14 months and I have a partner. We've been together for about four years. We're actually getting married in October, maybe, I don't know. It's kind of last minute and we're just throwing something together. Go. Um, but pretty excited about that. I am a full-time student. I also am in the holistic medicine realm. I help women um, heal with whole foods, you know, whether it's fertility or weight loss or anything like that. Um, just kind of helping women balance themselves um, and empower them to do so on their own and heal. Um, 
I, <laughs> I grew up in a household that my parents, both parents were addicts and alcoholics. And that always was a priority over everything. And so, I mean, uh, it's probably a conversation for another time, unless you want to go in depth on that. But basically everything you can think of of living in a, a very poor part of town with addicts, parents um many times we went without food or electricity and lots of fighting and just crazy stuff went on i remember you know being like i'm never gonna be like that that's terrible when i was 16 i told my grandma i'm never gonna have kids because i don't want to be my kids i don't want to be my mom uh, my mom actually went to prison when i was nine she was sentenced to 17 years for intoxicated vehicular manslaughter and um, she was there for about all of the 17 years, except for maybe like four months, so 16 years and eight months, I guess. Um, that was that was an issue all in itself for me. Um, she went to prison for driving drunk. Her best friend was in the car. She cried. My mom crashed the car. Her best best friend flew through the windshield um, and and died. And you would think that that would tell me not to ever drink and drive. Um, but I, you know, went out on my own at 18. I moved to California, you know, to, to do that whole thing. And I got with a man straight out of prison who was 15 years older than me. He was a meth addict and I dabbled with it a couple of times. It never really was a thing, but I loved alcohol. I loved Sailor Jerry. It made me look really cool and people accepted me and, um, it never really seemed like a problem at that point until I moved back home. I had had my heart broken quite a few times, even after that man who was abusive. Um, he's the, the father of my first daughter. And uh, I was waiting tables all the time, just trying to make a living for me and my daughter. And I was looking for a man to take care of us, essentially. Not that I don't know if that's relevant or not, but that's just where my mentality mm -hmm. was. And um Still, alcohol was never really a thing for me. I did it socially. It never consumed my life. It never hindered me from going to work. Um, it was then in 2015, I got, I started working at a strip club. I was working at a co as a cocktail waitress. And I saw that the strippers or dancers were making way more money than I was. And I'm like, I want to make a lot of money. So I started doing that. And doing that also opened doors to do other things, to have a personality that people wanted to be around. And I felt that alcohol and cocaine were, were the things that I needed to, for people to like me or to be attracted to me or to pay me money. And, um, that opened just a doorway for me. And I met a guy during this part of my life that he had all the red flags from the beginning, but in my own toxicity, I, was like, yes, I want that. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I still have asked myself to this day, what was wrong with you? I can't answer that. But it was then in that relationship, I was smoking a lot of pot then. And he was like, ew, like so un unattracted to me because I was a pothead essentially. Right. But he was mm -hmm. fine with me getting wasted on a Tuesday morning with him. Like that was fine. And so I wanted to be accepted by him, I think. And not that I'm putting any blame on anyone else, but myself, but it was a way for me to feel cool, to feel liked. And we started drinking very heavily. He had already been drinking heavily. It was just like four, four to six years older than me. I can't recall, but, um, that then got me 
I tried all the different types of alcohols. I wasn't doing anything else. I wasn't doing Coke. I wasn't doing meth. I wasn't smoking weed. I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I wasn't doing anything but drinking. And I could tell you anything there was to know about any drink, any mixed drink, any alcohol. I knew my way around it. And um, that's just, that was really in 2015 is when my whole addiction to alcohol really took place. And it's literally been like a train off its rails ever since. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to that story. And it's interesting because um, we'll have to talk later, you and I, because we can share some stories there. But for those of you listening that don't know this, I haven't dove super deep into this, but I have a son who I adopted at five. He was five. And that was some of his background of, you know, drug addicted parents, meth, you know, living with neglect, things like that. So um, it's going to be interesting to kind of see, but he's doing great. So total, like total side note, but it's interesting when I am, because it brings a connection. I think a lot of times when you do meet people that have experienced um, some of the same things growing up and have uh, come out on the other side. So we're talking 2015 and wow, it's only 2020. So I know just how, when we met, part of the initial conversation was like, you know, I was looking for people that could share with my audience their experiences in different ways that I don't have. And I have had heard stories of this. And then you had shared that you actually got to a place where you removed alcohol for 18 months. Then there was this moment and you chose to drink again. And then that took you down a whole path of, I think, seven months. And then now you're back to 30 something days. So can you kind of share with us what first I want to hear, like when was the moment at the beginning of the 18 months that you're like, all right, this is it. I'm done. So talk a little bit about that and then we'll, um, we'll step into the next section. Okay. So in order to kind of talk a little bit about that, I want to tell briefly, you know, something else. So while I was working in that same club I mentioned before, I met my now partner and I know he was in a strip club. So people are going to have their thoughts of who he is, but no, um, he took my breath away. Literally. It's so lame, but he just, he was so respectful of me. And most men in that setting are very handsy. They're very, they expect something from you. Um, this man, he, he worked on the road. So he would come into my town here and there. Cause that was one of the central places that he would work. And when he came into town, he would always, you know, try to message me, but I'm like, no, I'm with my daughter. Cause that was still a, a priority for me is not bringing men, strange men around my daughter. And, um, he liked that. He respected that. He grew up in a household, a very traditional household with 11 other siblings and an amazing mom. And, um, but I just, you know what? He didn't disrespect me. So I did not think he didn't like, me. I thought he didn't like me. I thought that he was not attracted to me. I thought he was gay. I thought he had a secret wife somewhere. Like, why is it he trying to have sex with me? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. Um, that was, that is some of my own trauma, some of my own issues. And so I blew him off and I went for this guy that <laughs> was terrible and spent, uh, probably about a year and a half with him. So it was then after all that all fell away, he and I, it was literally by the grace of God that he and I connected again. And it was so crazy. Um, it's literally, it was meant to be. 
And, you know, he and I like to go out and drink together. And it became to a point where, like, he had been drinking since he was 14. Okay, so it didn't even affect him like, oh, this is fun anymore. It was just something that he does. And for me, it wasn't that way. It was something I started doing as an act of being cool or an act of rebelling against my, my grandparents or whatever. Um, but it came to a point where I remember telling him while drinking, like, it hurts, literally physically hurts me to drink inside. I would take a shot and I would feel it hurting me on the inside and especially in my ovaries. And now knowing what I know from my education and, and in fertility and the female body, I'm, I was literally killing myself. Um, I remember as plain as day. I mean, I've always wanted, I had always wanted to quit drinking and we would drink and be like, Oh, we need to quit drinking. Yeah. Ha, ha, and then wake up the next day and start drinking again, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I remember it was a Wednesday night. It was May 8th of 2018. I'm laying in the bed drunk and I'm like, I really want to quit drinking. He's like, I know. And I'm like, I really do. Like, I'm really tired of feeling like this. I'm tired of waking up and having to apologize. I'm tired of just the darkness because I had a lot of instances where I don't remember what happened. I made some bad choices. I hurt people and it just started to snowball. And then the physical aspect of just it hurting me, like, why is this hurting so bad? But I would push through the pain to get drunk. Like I was like, if I can get drunk, I won't feel pain anymore. It's not a big deal. Well, on May 9th, which was a, which was a Thursday, I woke up and I was not hungover. This was the first time in a while because it got to the point where my hangovers were so bad but I was not hungover. I had all of this energy and I just started it literally. I don't know if you or people that are listening, if they believe in God, if they believe in the universe, if they believe in things just happening. But I felt at that moment, looking back, I felt like almost like he had possessed me to, he possessed me to give me the strength in order to do what I did next, which was go around my house and clean it. I took all of the toxic food out. I took all of the wine. I took all of the, the alcohol, all of the beer, and I threw it down the drain and I threw everything away, the food and everything. And it was that day, it was day one. And I was like, I'm not doing this. And even in my head, I was like, yeah, you are. Like, or I was like, I'm not going to drink anymore. But in my head, yeah, you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to make it. You're going to drink again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Maybe not today because you just drank last night and you get that way sometimes, you know, you'll stop for a day or so to, to charge up again and then you go do it again. And on day three, I was driving by the same place that I would always drive by on my way home and I would stop in and get like three shots back to back and then go home. You know, that was like something I would do. And if I was having a good day, shots. If I was having a bad day, shots, anything, shots. Mm-hmm. And it was shots at that point because beer wasn't touching it mixed drinks weren't touching it. I needed straight up alcohol and yeah. nothing else. Day three, I'm, I'm stopped at the stoplight by that place. And I'm like, you know what, if I go and just get a shot, no one's going to know. Like I can just keep saying that it's day three, day four, day five, whatever, you know, cause I was obsessed with the numbers at that point. And I was like, no, you would know. And that's the point. So sorry. <laughs> All these alarms to schedule my day. <laughs> but, okay. um, you would know. And that's the point. And in my, in my heart, I didn't want, I didn't want to let myself down. And so I passed on it. And that was my first big test of an 18 month span. So I went for the, you know, the 18 months and it was really hard. Um, for the first, I would say three months after three months is when it was like, all right, this is my life. I got this. It was really hard at first because my boyfriend, um, he, 
was still drinking, you know, and we would go out to eat dinner. And that was something we love to do. Like we travel to different states just to go to a restaurant. You know, we love food. Um, but also with food, we love trying different drinks and he would get a drink or a beer, a beer still. And I just, I kind of felt lame. Like I'm missing out on life because I don't get to do those things. I must be sick. Like there's something wrong with me. Why does he get to do it? It's not fair. You know? But after a while, I felt really empowered, and I was like, I never felt better. I started to lose a lot of weight. Um, six months after I quit drinking, I actually got pregnant after two years of infertility. I, it, it was amazing. I just felt, I never felt better in my life, and I knew then, I was like, I am never going to go back to doing that. I'm never, ever going to do that to myself and my children. My children, my daughter was a huge motivator for me because it got to a point at five years old, six years old where she knew that I was drunk or she would ask me, are you drunk? Um, mommy, I don't like when you drink. And not that I was doing things to her, like hitting her or even being mean to her. I honestly thought I was a more fun mom when I was drunk because mm -hmm. I was silly and all of this, you know, but it really hit home when she would ask me later. And I'm like, damn, like, so that's not something she should know about. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that's what I always hated about my, my growing up was, that I knew too much, you know? So. Well, I'm going to actually pause you for just a second and just kind of bring to light a couple of things that I've heard that is super, super helpful. I think for others um, is that <clears throat> I like to bring these highlights so that it, it was hard. And, you know, what I heard was, cause I hear a lot of this is what do I do in the beginning? Cause I've had these like routines and I've had these, you know, just like you driving by the place. Um, that's tricky because a lot of that and a lot of all this talk is coming from the, um, unconscious mind and all those negative thoughts and the things they're telling you, or even just sitting there with your boyfriend, like, wow, this is lame. And then even kind of like, uh, questioning why, you know, I miss the fear of missing out. And so all this stuff is so, such a head talk. It's so interesting. And, and this is a lot of what we're going to talk about. Um, in my group next month because a lot of it is those those little beliefs and the negative talks and all that stuff so that's real and that's something that we'll hear and it could have been just as easy for you to just you know stop by that place nobody would know for sure and then um, just that motivation of our children and I mine were not that young mine were older but there's just something about they know something's different about us. I was the same way. It wasn't like, you know, there was any abuse or I think, you know, my temper was definitely shorter. I'm sure I was snapping more or yelling more just because um, you're a little bit edgier. But like, it's just like you can't connect. And they know there's this sense that kids have about bonding and they just know. So I kind of just wanted to bring that up for just a second as we um, as we move forward. So tell me a little bit about like after those conversations were happening and then you were, cause you said about six months in, you're like, I'm moving and grooving, right? <laughs> yes. So yeah, about, about that time, you know, I just felt finally at peace. Like this is what I really wanted to do. I felt, um, I also at this time, it's, it's important to note. I was, I had started my own organization and nonprofit to help raise awareness for domestic violence survivors and children. And I had over 75 active members in over four cities. <laughs> and um, it was a really interesting 
dynamic because the girls dressed in 40s and 50s pinup and we attended events and created events and car shows and all that to raise money for local charities and so I would have my charity events at bars and be getting drunk at these charity events and it was then I became sober within this time and we I still held commitments to do certain events at bars that I had already and these were like bar and grill type places you know but I'm sure. like, you know, I don't have any other places to do this because I made this plan a year ago or whatever. So we're going to commit to it. So that in itself was a huge challenge and tested my sobriety because, you know, all, all the other people or whatever would be drinking and they would be like, Hey, here's a shot, you know, cause they would know like that. I love that shot or I love whatever. And I'd be like, Oh no, thanks. You know? And, and I would try to navigate around that. Um, but each test made me a lot stronger. I felt like it made yes. me, um, I just felt really good every time I could turn it down. And every time it, it was a test, it really was. If To say that I didn't consider it for even a, a half a second would be a lie, but it made me stronger. It was like tearing muscles in order to build muscles. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what builds that resilience. And it's those little things. Cause I noticed it too. It's those tiny little, when we make a commitment and then we keep it, that's where you get more confidence. Right. Right. So, so yeah, I was, I was feeling great. And then I guess, you know, there's nothing of incidents that I can recall. I lost a lot of friends or what I thought were friends. I cried a lot. I started, you know, going to church. I was just trying to find something to guide me and tell me like that I was still doing the right thing because yes, I felt that I had been possessed that day to make the right choice. But after that, he was like, all right, you're on your own, you know? And I, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing, you know? And so I tried to get really good people around me and I um, befriended a man who he is very successful in the city that I was from and he owns a, a very successful car, car business and um, also a man of God type of person. And he, his addiction was meth. And I loved he, every Wednesday he would do a video live on Facebook and it was talking, um, it was a message from the Bible and kind of tying it into his sobriety and so he actually became one of my sponsors, not in, not in like AA sponsor. I've never done AA. I think that's important to note for myself. I've never been into that. Um, but he became a, like a business sponsor and he sponsored a lot of my events, but he became a mentor as well. And I could go in there and cry to him and his staff and ask questions. And I never felt weird or ostracized or like an addict or anything like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. And then I guess when it was October, like the end of October, we went to Mexico where my, my husband, soon to be husband's family is all from. And we went kind of like a family, for a family reunion. And we have a new know, guest that has joined us. <laughs> yes. The special guest. So, um, you know, that was so hard because my husband had not been back in many years, but that had always been like a party place in time for him. And that whole community, they all, and they're going to, if they hear this, they'll probably be like, I can't believe she said this, but they're all alcoholics. Okay. okay. They just don't know it. And, um, that's exactly what they are because it's so ingrained in the, in the culture for, especially the men, um, to just drink all the time and stand around fires all night until the early morning and talking and singing and, and drinking alcohol. And so when we went, it was really hard because I was a three months postpartum from having this one. I felt just 
postpartum, you know, I just felt ugly and fat and all of these things that aren't true, but they're in your head because your, your hormones are crazy. Um, and I had a baby that, you know, not that he's not a great dad, but he was focused on, you know, socializing and meeting with friends and family he hadn't seen in so long that I felt like I wasn't getting help with her. So it was like I was his babysitter so he could go party. And there were many times when he wasn't coming back to the hotel till like five in the morning. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, like it sucks because I can't go out and have fun. A, because I have a kid and B, because I'm addicted to alcohol and I can't just go have a drink and it all be good, you know? Well, it was like almost towards the end of like the trip and um, it's the night before a wedding that we were attending and we're at family's house. And my mother-in-law, who never, ever, ever, ever drinks, ever, and she's always telling her son to stop drinking and all of this, she's drinking a glass of wine. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you doing? You're drinking wine. And she was like, it's okay. Do you want some? Which kind of annoys me now because she knew that I wasn't drinking. She knew like what a big thing it was for me to have gotten those 17, 18 months. But she so was she, she was aware of like how serious your journey was? I don't know if she knew that it was like a serious thing or if she thought that I was just not going to drink for my health or something, but gotcha. she knew that it was important to me. And she told me she was so proud of me for making those changes. So okay. regardless, it was like, I, everyone knows I'm not drinking. So she asked me, do I want some? And immediately I'm like, no, like I was offended. I was like, how could you, you know, I'm not drinking. And she was like, okay, no big deal. And then I sat there and I thought, and I thought, and I thought for 10 minutes at least. And I fought with myself inside and I literally, I was sweating. I was shaking. I was like, it's okay. It's just, it's just family. It's just one glass of wine. It's your mother-in-law. She, she doesn't ever drink and she's having a glass of wine right now. It's okay. Like you could just have a glass of wine and be social and, and it'll be all fine. And I'm like, no, you know, it's not going to be fine. You know, this, the whole internal battle was happening. Finally, I went up to her and I was like, can I have some? And oh, so disappointed. (laughs) I didn't know I was going to feel like this. Mm. So I drank, I drank some wine and I like, I drank it so fast. Like I could, I tried a little sip, you know, tried to do the little dainty thing that women do. Yep. And, um, it just, it tasted too good. (laughs) It was so good. And it just did all the things that it does. It made my cheeks feel hot and my eyes felt like they opened up and the room became brighter and I felt more alive. And I hate describing it in that way because I know that that's a lie, Yeah. but that's how I felt. And then after that, all the, the wine was gone and I was mad because I'm like, what the hell? Like I want more now. So I went to my husband's uncle who had um, tequila and I got a little bit of tequila from him. But then I was like, you know, just be reasonable about it. You don't want to get too crazy. And just this one time, no big deal. And then after that, it was pretty much almost every day that I was there, I would drink, but I never got drunk. Never. Like I would get right to the buzzed point and then that was it. And so I'm like, okay, like, my time out for 18 months was good. Like I learned my lesson. Now I can just drink like a normal person. And I put air quotes around normal because we know that that's total BS. Right. So So do you think that that was, you think you were able to do that because you're like, okay, I'm in a different country, you know, have this little baby, you know, there's still that piece of you that's like, all right, I got to like 
hold back enough because I got to take care of my baby, you know, hundred percent. And also yeah. because everybody else told me, cause they would go to Mexico often and come back to the States. They were like, yeah, we come to Mexico, we get shit faced. And then we tell ourselves as soon as we hit that border, we're not doing it anymore. I'm like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. Like what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico type of mentality. So I was right. like, all right. So in my head, I'm like, I'm going to just keep it under control here. And as soon as I get back home, I'm not going to do it anymore. No big deal. Well, <laughs> it was when I got back home that, well, A, I had a friend that lived behind me. I had known her since church days when we were 15 years old in a different city. So we ended up living, so we're from Abilene, Texas. And then we ended up living in the same city of Amarillo, Texas, which is like five hours apart from each other. It's crazy, but it is what it is. She lived behind me and she also struggles with drinking. And so you can imagine what the heck that was about. We were two moms that were lonely all the time because our husbands worked all the time, weren't present hardly when they came home. And she had just had a baby one month after I had a baby. And we would just, we would have these sleepovers and we would get drunk and take care of our kids together. And we would do that for like three days in a row and maybe take a day off and then do it again. Mm -hmm. So we were enabling each other. We were feeding off each other and we were telling each other that it was okay because the other person was doing it, you know? And this was a, this was pretty much immediately once you got back and got to your routine. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't even think there was like a day where I was like, okay, you can't do this. Like it was too easy to just keep doing it. My days were gone now. I couldn't in my head, my, my heart doesn't allow me to do like shady things like, or lie to myself even. So even in my head, I knew that those 18 months, they were gone now. So I've already done it. Who cares? You know, whatever. I'll restart another time. Who cares? All right. So got back. All this is happening with your friend. Um, and then you realize you just kind of look up and seven months have gone by. So the whole time me and her are doing it, she's like, you know, we would get really, really drunk and we would talk really in depth, you know, how those talks go. And, yeah. Um, or maybe we think they're in depth because <laughs> I've tried to talk in depth when I'm sober and they're drunk and I'm like, I can't do this. But <laughs> we would sit there and be like, you really need to quit. And she's like, you know, I really respect you for the fact that you were able to quit. And I'm like, why? I, I didn't though. I started again. So I don't, I'm not proud of myself in that. And I think that was a big reason why I continue to drink, you know, so stupid. It's just mm -hmm. a vicious cycle. Well, yeah, it was, I remember like being like, oh my gosh, it's been three months. Like I've just been drinking for three months. Where has the time gone? And yeah, then I, I woke up one day and what, when was it? May? Yes. Yeah, so it was May then or the end of um, April that I was like, okay, I'm gonna quit drinking again. I can do this. Oh, it was because um, in March, I drank some Jameson, which my birthday is March 24th. And the day before my birthday on the 23rd, I got really, really wasted. And I did and said a lot of crazy things to my boyfriend. And I was angry. I was angry at him. I was angry at men. I was tired of just, I was tired of the, the societal norms that, that we put ourselves in. Like, oh, you had a baby and now you have to take care of the baby and, and good job, keep going about your life. Like there's no respect. There's no, there's no like, just, we don't look at the process of pregnancy and childbirth the way that we should. Everybody expects women to just get up and go live their life right after. And yes, this was what, like nine months or whatever after I had my baby, but it, it scientifically it takes at least three years for you to heal from childbirth. Mm. And 
my hormones were everywhere and I just felt like I wasn't getting help and I would get drunk and I would talk about how much I hated men and I would be very, very, very mean. It was not, there was no happy drunk at that point. I was very angry. And I said a lot of things to my husband and I said things even to my daughter telling her never to trust men and putting things into her head that you don't put into a child's head and scaring her, you know? And at this point now she's eight years old. She's not any, she's not five or six anymore. She's eight and she's a whole lifetime of struggle with me. And, um, I felt really guilty. I did not drink on my birthday and then I did drink some more. And then in April, I was like, you know what? I'm so tired of this. And I made it known on Facebook, like, hey, here's this, this is what's going on. Because everybody knew that I had been sober for X amount of time. But nobody knew when I fell off the wagon. I didn't go, hey, everybody, I'm drinking again. But I would, yeah. like, post on Facebook when I was drunk. And I say Facebook because it is a big part of my life with my business and everything. My story is a big part of my business because my transparency helps me to connect with people. And um, I finally admitted what I had done. And that to me was a way to have accountability because I'm like, I've already told everybody now that this is what I'm doing. So I have to stick to it. So it was like end of April ish that I quit again. And then it was like the middle of May that I found out I was pregnant again and I wanted to be pregnant again. I was very excited, even though I'm grateful for the outcome as strange as that is, because to have two small babies, in diapers is insanity. <laughs> Women that do that, bless you. I respect the crap out of you because it's hard. It's hard. Mm-hmm. So um, it was then, I, you know, I was pregnant. Obviously, I'm not drinking when I'm pregnant. And uh, that's just my personal choice. I never have. And then it was July. Well, through ultrasounds, I found out that there were some things like not, not adding up. Things weren't growing right. So I kind of prepared myself for a loss. I knew that this wasn't going to end in a whole baby being born at the right time. So July 20th, the actual loss started happening, which I did at home. Um, well, it was actually in a hotel because we were on the road traveling and that just really sucked, but that was such an experience. And the next day, I'm still bleeding. We had her birthday party to turn one. And I went to the liquor store and I bought like eight airplane bottles of rum and I put them in my purse and we went to this restaurant across the street because I was about to pay those restaurant prices for their shots. Are you kidding me? Like, right. come on, I'm a seasoned alcoholic. I know how this works. So I drank that rum the whole time. I didn't even get drunk. It's so stupid. It takes an ungodly amount of alcohol to get me to the point that I want to be at, you know? So I did that then from July to, what are we now, September? So July to August, basically. So like maybe a month. And then (laughs) it was August. And I can't even tell you the date at this point, but we're around 40 days. I have a date. And I have not focused on, you know, today's day five, today's day. Because I obsessed and I, I just worried myself over the numbers the first time. And here and there, I'll check and kind of see, but I'm not counting every single day. I don't live, live and die off of, off the number of days, but it's now been about 40 days and yeah. So, so, um, for me, I will say what helped me so much was the accountability. I did the same thing on Facebook. You know, I didn't even know at the time when I announced it and did the, you know, I think I showed up like my in, in 30 days, like my first 30 days, I kind of announced to my friend group in the world, so to speak, like, Hey, 
this is what I'm doing, you know, here it is. So for me, that automatically rooted this layer of accountability. And so for what I'm not saying to the listeners is you got to out yourself <laughs> or you got to put that out there. But I do believe that there is a, there is this thing that happens to us when we do verbalize it to someone, it could be safe. Like the, the gentleman you met, it could be like the person that I connected with also in the beginning. But, um, that's why I'm where I'm at now and I'm doing the podcast and I have the group because it's a very safe private group where you can come in and you can, you can tell other women and say, Hey, I, me too. I'm here too. Our every it's what is so amazing to me is that all our journeys are so different, but there's this always this little under just this underlying story that we can go. Oh yeah. I felt that way. My thoughts did that. I screwed up too, you know, all the things that, that actually unites us. And to me, that makes me stronger when I hear more and more stories. So I think that's great. And I think that a lot of times too, like we have to go through, especially those of us that I think we can relate is very just strong willed, strong headed, you know, like I used to say I'm an all or nothing kind of girl. Like I think we sometimes have to go through extremes to really learn and and get on the other side. So, um, you're there now and I'm the same way. I, I have an app that tells me the time Like in the beginning, I was a little bit more focused on it because milestones and, um, things work for me and that like, yay, I can celebrate, but by no means was I super obsessed. So, um, where we are now, mainly where I want to shift to now, cause that's a really good story. I love your transparency. I want to talk about What's different now? How do you feel different in, um, you know, moving forward? And then also, I want to hear what you would tell our listeners after telling this story and all that you've been through. What, you know, advice or guidance or what would you say to them so that maybe they don't go down the same road? Wow. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of advice. Let me think on that as I talk about how I feel now. Okay. Put her down. Put her down. Pick her up. <laughs> so, so I, how do I feel now? You know, this change, this time has, what is different now is it's completely for myself. Before I did it because I thought that that was what everyone wanted or expected. And by everyone, I meant like my partner, my kids, my kid. Um, that was the right thing for everybody else around me, my business, my nonprofit. Now I know what's best for my health. I read Holly Whitaker's book, quit like a woman. And I'm just going to be honest. I don't agree with a lot of her political views that she puts a lot of those in her book, but I'm somebody who I can talk to anybody and learn something from them, regardless of where they're coming from in life or their views or their beliefs or any of that. And I, I'm now on my second time reading it because it's that good. She talks about the scientific aspect of alcohol, what it is, what it's, what it's made of, and how it affects our bodies, how it affects our sleep. And I, I don't know if you have felt the major shift in our, in our world, in our country, you know, in the past month or so, but I want to be prepared for anything. And there's no way that I can... <laughs> fight off a predator if I'm drunk or high. There's no way. Um, 
I want to be aware. I want to be present. I want to be strong. And I want my clients to look up to me and be like, all right, you know, she, she may have done this a couple of times, but she knows and she's being honest and, and there's no, there's no BS. There's no fluff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's all for my health. It's just, I want to be level-headed. I want to be doing what's right for my body. I'm very, I eat plant-based. You just saw me with my celery juice. I drink 16 to 32 ounces of celery juice every single morning, even when I was drinking alcohol. Um, I'm very conscious, conscious about what I put into my body. Why am I still drinking alcohol? It's something that I'm, I just, I don't get, you know? Um, I feel at peace this time. It's really not a struggle like it was in the beginning of the first time. I almost feel kind of like I'm picking up where I left off in a sense. There is, there are those underlying moments that I'm not going to lie, you know, um, especially if we go out to eat and we sit right by the bar and you smell the cleaner from the bar itself. And that is a trigger making me want to, you know, have a drink. Um, but it's not like I'm freaking out and feeling sorry for myself or thinking, you know, it's no fair. How come he gets to drink and I don't. And that being said too, my husband has come a long way since I stopped drinking back in 2018 where he's now not drinking. He hasn't drank in four or five days. And to me, that's amazing because yeah. like I said, he's drinking for 15 years and it is a struggle for him, but I'm so proud of him. And, you know, he tried like a week ago and he, after two days, he drank again and he was real disappointed in himself. And I'm like, I'm proud of you for stopping for two days. If you stop for one day, I'm proud of you. If you stop for one moment, I'm proud of you. So seeing him be inspired by, by what I'm doing, it inspires me more. And we really just want to be more for our family. So that's that. Awesome. I love it. I guess if I had to share anything with people to take from my story, it is that they shouldn't, they shouldn't worry about what others think first and foremost, because if you always are focused on whether other people are thinking about you, you're never going to figure out who you are because you're always going to be trying to be somebody that pleases everybody else. And you can't make everybody happy. It's impossible. The only person you can focus on healing and making happy is yourself. And once you figure that out, you're not going to care about making anybody else happy because you're going to be secure in who you are. And I think that a common thing that I found, not that I necessarily research alcohol addiction, but we all are looking for something. We're all looking to be accepted. We're all looking to be liked. We're all looking to be seen. We all want to be something that we're not or magnify what we are, you know? So if you're stopping for somebody else, I'm not saying that you can't be successful in stopping, but it's going to be a lot harder when you're worrying about what everybody else is thinking. And if you could just be real with yourself, everything else will fall into place. And you don't have to tell everybody on Facebook what you're doing. Cause I get some people don't have that freedom that I have because they have really judgmental families or friends or whatever their situation is. So I'm not saying like, do what I did and it's going to work. No, but start with yourself and then work outwards because that's in everything with your just general health. Um, mental health, you have to start on the inside and then work out. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I totally agree. And I've had even a previous um, episode with a friend of mine. That was what she did. She went three years and it was for her daughter. And as much as she loves her daughter, she would give her life for her. It's just, you can't do that. It has to be for you and it has to be your choice 
And um, you're right. It's not just alcohol. It's many, many other areas of our lives. And it is, we cannot show up when we're numbing out and then really getting past. I think the thing for me is, it's just understanding that the choice and the commitment has to be for us. And we have to understand that we sort of have to clear out, clean out the closet first. So give yourself that time, give yourself grace, like understand that you are going to fill all the junk at first because, you know, it just doesn't magically, magically go, Oh, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be confident now and know who I am. It's a journey. And that's why I like to talk to ladies like you because our journey looks different, you know, but I love that especially the first time around that six month mark. Cause I tell women, you know, there's, there's a, there's little time blocks that you'll see some different shifts and things changing, but especially if you were drinking in the, um, you know, in a daily type thing, like we were doing is that you have to get to that place where you kind of clean out the junk and go, Oh, okay. Now I see things clearly. We got to get the brain fog out first. So um, I'm so thankful to hear your story and I look forward to connecting more. So you also help women with the plant-based uh, living and things like that. So will you just kind of tell us like if they're interested in like, Oh, I'm more interested in like the holistic things. And then, you know, I love what she brought up about celery juice or, you know, maybe like, getting pregnant and all the things that you love to share about. Will you just kind of tell us where they could find you if they're on that journey? Yes. So you can look up that plant-based doula. I mean, you could Google that plant-based doula and you're probably going to find all my stuff. I also have a podcast and it's that plant-based doula podcast. And my group um, is the Papaya Collective. And I'm actually launching an app that's a social media network for women made by women because I'm a woman. So the app is launching this month. It's going to be available on Google Play and the App Store, the Apple App Store. And what it's going to be is, like I said, social media network that's totally free and safe. Um, you know, none of the censorship or the extra BS that we have on Facebook anymore. But it's all centered around holistic health and just being mindful. It doesn't necessarily have to be like natural living, but there will be a group for um, alcohol addiction. And if that's something that y'all are interested in learning about, that fertility um, there's going to be yoga instructors, doulas, midwives, all that good stuff. So it's going to be a really awesome platform to get on and learn. And if you're somebody who offers those services, you can get on there and learn how to monetize your services through that, as well as, you know, create your own community of clients and customers on there. So um, that plant-based doula, you'll find everything you need to as far as connecting with me. And I would love to talk with anybody who has questions. I feel like I'm pretty helpful and um, I have, you know, testimonials on my personal page, which is open to the public, Serenity Ford. And um, you can just see in my highlights, the testimonials and little products and things that I make. But yeah, um, it is a journey. It's amazing. I'm blessed to do what I do. I'm blessed to be able to quit drinking because there was a time when I wasn't able to. I, I didn't have the, I want to say the knowledge, you know, that uh, people talk about willpower a lot. And I don't really believe in that. I don't think that that's real. Same. And <laughs> it really is, it, kind of, it boils down to knowledge. It boils down to knowledge and it boils down to um, priorities. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, whatever you want to talk about, if you want to connect over that or living more naturally and whole, I'm totally here willing to do that. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your truth and being so open. And um, I look forward to connecting more. So thank yes, you. Thank you, Michelle. It's been an honor. 
Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helped you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Every so often, I will read reviews and give shout outs. To dig deeper, join us at Set Free Sisterhood over on Facebook. I will pop the link in the show notes. And don't forget, if you know someone that would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, share it with them and take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram stories and tag me. It's time to take back our power, ladies, and be set free. Until next time, stay blessed. Michelle.